Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. Um, welcome to the Legacy Tapes. Uh, I'm Rebecca Atkinson-Lord, and this is a series of podcasts dedicated to examining how you can leave something lasting in the ephemeral medium of theatre. Uh, apparently. Um, I'm here with Chris Good, who is, um, well, we're not quite sure what he is. We've just been chatting about it. Uh, he's a brilliant uh, writer, director, contemporary performer, theatre maker, agitator, queer artist and act. Do you claim activist? I don't anymore. I used to. Ex-activist. And, then, yeah. and now he's like, oh, God, I'm exhausted. Well, I'm not. I'm just... I when I see what real activists <laughs> it's like why I stopped calling myself a sound designer as well because yeah. then I met a sound designer <laughs> and I'm like, oh no that's what I, that's not what I do I, I do a little bit of tinkering yeah. with like I download things from YouTube exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so totally. I'm, I'm that sort of activist okay I, I, I have made theatre as as a, as a kind of activism or I've tried to yeah sort of as a way of not then having to do any proper yeah. activism I'm like no 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 this is what I do I do this thing well, do, you, do you know what? I'm with you on that. Do you know how I phrase it? I phrase it that the world is woven of the stories we tell. So by weaving new stories into the fabric, mm. you can change it. Yeah, and that's so a shit like that as well. It's... Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as weaving and fabric. Bollocks, stuff, you literally but... called me out on my shit on my own fucking podcast. <laughs> shit, okay. Yeah, um, we're off. <laughs> great, we're off. We're off. Um, so, uh, where to begin? Tell me. I mean, I used to have regular, like, formal questions for this, and I've stopped mm. doing that because yeah. it's better not to. Yeah. Um, how, what, how did you get here? How did you, other than, like, by the train, mm. how did you get to being in a place where making theatre was, th- was what you did? Mm. Um, and also, it's so much part of, I feel like it's part of who you are. Like, what was that journey? Yeah. Um, so, gosh, like, lots and lots of... Um, uh, performance in a in a in an obviously really informal way as a kid. Mm-hmm. So school plays, but also just being the sort of annoying kid who would, you know, like show up at grown up parties and do oh. do the tap dance. Yeah, you know. I did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that. Yeah. We're, we're going to find out we're terribly similar. Yeah, I used to tap just... dance to "We're Walking in the Air" by the Snowman <laughs> on a tin tray in the living room. Okay, I never, I never, <laughs> I never did that. But I feel like I've elicited something from you that's very special. So that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was that kid, uh, sort of very shy, but also a sort of psychotic amount of chutzpah. Yeah. Um, and just carried on being that, carried on being a show-off until, um, I suppose, sort of late in school, um, sort of coming up to sixth form, where I, um, uh, I did a... I talk about this a lot because it was really important for me. I did a a, a very unusual school play because because like every so often they allowed one of the unusual English teachers to have a go at directing <laughs> a school play, yeah. who was the sort of beardy radical guy. Yeah. And so suddenly I was in a really left wing new writing uh, play. I wasn't in Oliver. I wasn't in Hobson's Choice yeah. anymore. I was in some real fucking theatre right. and. Can you remember what the play was? Yeah, it was called The Earth Divided. It's by a guy called Mick Mangan, who's sort of a, mostly an academic now. Mm-hmm. A good writer. Um, and it was a good play, and it was an enjoyable thing to do. I played a Puritan, so I had a great, like, outfit. And, um, <laughs> I had cheekbones in those days, so I was like, I was looking pretty fly yeah. for a Puritan. Um, and it brought out a certain amount of brimstone in me that, yeah. you know, has always been there. But more importantly, it was the first... Everybody else in that room was older than me. Yeah. And they were all cooler than me. Yeah. And it was my first experience of doing that. And and it was the first time that an emphasis was placed on being in a company, being together, being mm-hmm. comrades. Yeah. And it was... So it was a sort of 
theatrical awakening or an aesthetic awakening or something, but it was also a political awakening at the same time. So those two things sort of got really entwined for me at that point. Yeah. Um, and um, and theatre then just became, I suppose, the natural home for all the things I wanted to do, partly because I wanted to do loads of different things. I was always writing, but I was also always making music, uh, and I was always you know, being the performing one. So everything that I wanted to do, I could take to theatre and make theatre contain those things. And so sort of went off to university, again, still very shy, very unconfident, sort of lower middle class, kind of like, I don't belong in this space. But what I could do, what I spent Freshers Week doing when everybody else was going to Cindy's for foam night, uh, I was in my room (laughs) writing a play that I could then take to the drama society and say, look, I've written a play, can we do a play? And that was a way of talking to people. It wasn't wasn't particularly about any ambitions to be a a theatre artist at that point. I didn't know what I was going to do, but it was a way of going, hello, I'm interesting enough to talk to you. Mm. Or this play might be interesting enough to be a pretext for us to talk to each other. And I think that's what... That's just set the tone yeah, yeah. For, the, it, for the last 25 years. Yeah, it's like, here's the thing, yeah, here, here's, here's the, um, here's, here, this is the shibboleth that gets mm. me into the conversation. That's it, that's exactly yeah. it, yeah. And when I write myself down, mm. I'm cooler and smarter <laughs> and more in control Yeah. and I don't blush as easily. Well, everyone is, right, because you yeah. get to edit out. But, but, yeah, but also I suppose I get to organise the world a little bit as well. I get to create an hour of world yeah. that I can live in more easily. Yeah. I think there was a huge thing about, um, you know, having spent my... Uh, my teenage years sort of low-level hyperventilating about the prospect of being a gay person because that was the language I would have been using at that time and feeling like my head was going to explode and so those little pockets of space where it was possible to create an inhabitable world that didn't make me feel like my head was going to explode was what we would now Mm. call self-care yes Yes. it felt like self-harm at the time actually Mm. it felt like sitting at home digging into the things that were painful yeah but by doing that yeah you create breathing space and um and a kind of legitimacy for yourself even if it's a legitimacy that's built out of secrets and and uh provisional sorts of things it was it, it was you get you get to be weird and you get to be in the center at the same time get to be faithful to your own weirdness which at that point in my life was incredibly strong mm. but you also get to be the one in the middle yeah who yeah you know so rachel briscoe mm. who you know yeah um uh once said to me that um she thinks that theatre directors mm. for sure mm. and i think directing right i think it all kind of blows yeah. um are people who learn to look at the world like outsiders Yes, and then and then yes. we like we shape we look at it and we're like oh well let's move it yeah. so that I'm either I'm not an outsider or it's the world that I yes. want to be to be part of. Yeah, that's exactly what my therapist says as well. Oh really? Yeah, good. We say that to each other a lot. Yeah, yeah. my therapist tells me that because uh, I've I've been doing more writing recently and she's like it's 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 good. it's a good way for you to work through your shit. <laughs> and then I I write at the moment I'm doing a thing about uh, trauma. And fucking hell, it is working through my shit, but I don't like doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Just I, you talking about sitting in that room doing self-harm. Like, yeah, yeah, I totally yeah. recognise that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you have to... It, it becomes a way of paying attention to the thing. I mean, I think that's like... That's the... If I, if I had to describe what I think I've done every day since then, it's about creating the conditions under which I can pay attention to the thing. Right. That's pretty. That's that's a good way to put it. Mm. The thing. Um, stop. I'm going to stop this tap from dripping, <laughs> and I'm going to great because that's how I do it, and I can edit that out, and it never happened. Very good. Um, so tell me, because you do loads, you do so much, you do so much stuff. You're a proper polymath, um, and you've run a venue and you've mm. not run a venue mm. and you've curated and not curated and mm. I'm conscious that w- when I think of you now it's as as I do on Friday nights when it's lonely <laughs> <laughs> um, like I think of of you as someone who's really kind of 
carefully constructed their professional world to be the sort of world that you want to live in. Um, and I... So my question is, is as part of the journey from writing that first play mm. in your student room while everyone mm. was having mm. fun at the phone party mm. to... Um, through through being independent into a venue and then out again mm. have you been aware of like do you give a shit about legacy are you leaving something is it always about looking at the thing mm. or is it about leaving the looking at the thing for someone else to inform them like do you care mm. about legacy do you care about what's left I've really started to yeah I didn't for a long time and in fact I was really militant about it because I realised really early on the um, the thing I loved most about theatre was its disappearing. I realised yeah. that that was what gave it um, at least emotional meaning for mm. me was the fact that it disappeared. And I was very militant about that for a while. So when I was starting out, for example, I wouldn't allow the work to be documented in any way. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't allow photographs to be taken of it or anything like that because I really seriously wanted yeah. it to disappear. And then I kind of climbed down from that ledge because that's like... Uh, that's that's hardcore that's hardcore yeah yeah. and I I really regret it now to be honest I wish I had like pictures of those things I did really good stuff guys (laughs) I know know. but I felt like I had to be hair shirty about it Um, um, but yeah no I uh, I think I I started to care about legacy um, actually in the run up to turning 40 it was one of the it was one of the signals that I gave myself that I was coming into middle age and okay. middle career yeah. um, was going, uh, what, what does this add up to? Yeah. Um, I think a, I, there's a thing about mortality, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I always comforted myself by going, I think I'm making the sorts of choices that on my deathbed, if yeah. I get a deathbed, I will go, yeah. well, I did the right things for the right reasons. I might have got lots of things wrong, but I did. Yeah. I tried doing the right things. But I gave my life to an, yeah. an honourable thing. The quest was you know, sound. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to be able to feel that. And then that started to feel like that wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't quite... Um, what was it? What was it? Because I, I, I think I, I, have, I have felt that until fairly recently. I have felt like I... I did a, I tried doing a good and noble thing even when hardly anybody was interested or yeah. when it was uh, when it made my material life extremely hard for mm-hmm. example all those sorts of things um, but yeah I think honestly I think so what I'm thinking about when I think about legacy is the book I wrote because mm-hmm. that was a that was in a different space really than the and it was about going I, I want something that's going to stay on a shelf yeah, at that the point in the field that's right yeah, is the title so, for that's right purchase minded listeners <laughs> yeah and I kind of you know I'd had nothing published at that point except a couple of scripts and a couple of poetry chat books I mean and nothing like, awful really, just like but, four but, or five but things. those things go you know they just end up you know they feel ephemeral uh, you know under Waterloo Bridge like really fast yeah uh, and I kind of, I, uh, kind of stupidly, I thought that to write an extended sort of critical thing, mm. and it was partly because I was looking ar- from like maybe, I guess maybe my mid thirties, I was sort of looking around at my generation, going, mm. who's going to be the one who writes the book? Because it felt like we'd run out of book. Yeah. There wasn't a new book. Like yeah. everyone was still reading the fucking empty space, and I was like, what, like. What's going yeah. to be the you know, and who's going to who's yeah. going to who's going to be that person? Yeah. And nobody seemed to be into it. It's got to be you. So I was like, well, if I if I do it first, I get to say some things, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's what I did. Um, and I don't know. I feel sort of. I don't know that that does really count as legacy because hardly anyone's bought it or read it a few people have and a few people I think it's important to a few people Mm. and maybe that's enough but I did sort of think it might catch fire in a way that it hasn't (laughs) I feel like that's the story of my life yeah (laughs) that's that's contemporary theatre I mean yeah for you I mean yeah for me Uh, yeah absolutely so it's you know but it was it was worth a shot it was worth doing yeah I disagree with most of that book now but I'm really glad that it it's that's brilliant there's a weird sort of it's weird having the wrong legacy, but it's not the wrong legacy because it was true of... At the time. It was true at the time. Yeah. And that's all I want to be... That's what I want to stand for, yeah. is having been a person who was 
trying to be thoughtful about the thing they were doing at the time they were doing it. And I think there's a real, like, you know, I don't necessarily always agree with Schopenhauer, but I'm glad that he's in the yeah. canon for me yeah, to yeah, argue yeah. with yeah, mentally. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm really... My favourite bit of writing about theatre mm. um, is a really short essay that is the preface to an edition of three plays by a guy called Paul Goodman, mm-hmm. who was lots of other things other than a playwright, mm-hmm. but really wanted mostly to be a playwright, yeah. um, and worked with the Living Theatre very early. So like in, in the early mid-50s, when yeah. Living Theatre was starting out, he was sort of like their house playwright for a bit. Um, and uh, he writes really poignantly in that little essay about how theatre has not been willing to have him. That's the... Oh, God. That's the phrase that he uses, yeah. that, you know, he wanted to be a person of theatre. Theatre wasn't willing to have him. And there's this really poignant thing where he says, well, maybe one day I'll be a statue in the park. And, of course, now at this distance, you also know he's never going to be a, a statue, statue in the park. park. But what I do know yeah. is that I found his book, and I think what he writes at the beginning of that yeah, book is the, best, is the best writing about theatre I've ever seen. And I've passed that on to maybe 20 other people who have yeah. learned from it. And maybe if, you know... So I don't need The Forest in the Field to be a bestseller. I need it to be... It's so, it really reminds me of when I, like, I did quite a lot of work performing in people's homes mm-hmm. uh, uh, early on. I haven't for a while, but I used to do that quite a lot. And it was a similar sort of feeling of, like, there's only 10 people here. But they're going to carry this with Eight of these people will remember that they did this. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a thing that I think about a lot. Again, it's a Rachel Briscoe. I spend too much time with that woman, apparently. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and it's that sense of meaning. Like, we we so think of... uh, For a long time, I thought of meaning and value as kind of existing at the point of reception. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've said that to lots of people Mm. a lot. I'd be like, no, this is what I think is true. And actually, Mm -hmm. Rachel was like, well that once it's gone into those people they carry it with them for the mm. rest of their lives mm. and in 50 years this yeah. thing mm. that was nothing mm. will mean something to them mm. and I sort of didn't I mean I agree I partially agreed with her at the time and then the more I think about it um the more I realize that my re- like there are things that I've seen that I dismissed or I didn't care about or I was just damn right fucking angry at mm. and have carried them with me in such a way that they're these these treasures yes yeah, within yeah, yeah. me yeah yeah um, yeah, and I'm you know I hope that like I'm I, like I'm sure your work does that I'm sure there are people who like there are things that I've seen of yours that I carry with me as mm. treasures, and mm. um, so at least you've got like an, w- a one other person's lifetime right? Mm. If not, <laughs> yes. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not quite on the Ramesses scale. No, no. But maybe. But I I think I really. I so like not knowing as well. I mm. like the feeling that I've put something out in the world. That's what I just. That's what I'm trying to keep doing. Yeah. Is putting things out in the world, and yeah. they do what they're going to do, and it's impossible to track. And maybe that's the version of of legacy that also does ephemerality. Is you have to lose the thread mm. of it. You put the thing out, and then it's and the ripples go. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Ripply threads. Okay. Yes. Um. <laughs> I'm going to ask, so tell me a little bit about, um, because, because you're like in, so we had a little conversation a while ago about your place relative to some of your contemporaries, like in your kind of, in your Cambridge year group or your Cambridge, <laughs> okay, yes. uh, I don't know, cohort, <laughs> um, because <laughs> it's all right, it's, you know, I'm going to keep it, uh, <laughs> oblique. Um, yeah, so, um, how do you like because one of the things that I'm I'm super conscious of is the difficulty of maintaining the kind of purity of tone that sounds really wanky but like just keeping your own voice Mm -hmm. when you feel like you have when you feel like there's a reason to say something Mm -hmm. in uh, in terms of leaving something Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I find myself really struggling to do that and not do the thing and not actually just say the thing that the dude that graduated at the same time as me says, and he earns a decent living. Mm. <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to say it. And, and like, b- because you're from, because there's that kind of, 
I mean, if you come through Oxbridge anyway, you're going to be part of one of the generation, the golden mm, generations. Mm, mm, mm. Um, what's that? What's that like to be like? Because because people have such different yeah. tastes to you mm. in your cohort. And do you? Is that a thing you think about? Is that a thing you don't think about? I think I think it's really shaped um, what I've done and who mm-hmm. I've been. In that, I think I learned. So really, it's the it's it's sort of the extension of the I'm too shy for this and therefore I'm going to go back to my room and prepare to be a genius you know yeah. like um, <laughs> because if it's I, only I me mean, in the room someone thinks uh, I'm a genius right <laughs> I'm so right. with you on that <laughs> um, yeah. so like I mean I, I, I'm at the end of sixth form I got into um, comedy writing that was going to be my thing so the the big thing that was on my mind when I went off to Cambridge was that mm. I was going to do Footlights that I was going to be yeah. in the Footlights and go through that route and be yeah. essentially David Mitchell yeah who, who's a little bit younger than me, but yeah, yeah. like that was, you know, that was the sort of place I thought I'd occupy in the culture. Yeah. Except I wrote songs as well. So, okay, so bit of David Mitchell, bit of Victoria Wood. Yeah, like, somewhere, somewhere in the light. I mean, yeah, yeah um, I'd be Victoria Wood if someone would let me. <laughs> no, right, I know. Um, that's who I thought I was going to be. And then I I started trying to go along to auditions, and they were, I, would, I was always in a queue behind vastly confident, entitled upper middle class boys mm-hmm. who were who knew that they belonged in that queue and I never did and I always went home again yeah and I think uh what that did was it it obliged me to make my own work out of the way and just try and make it vivid enough mm. that it was unignorable so it was like sort of setting fire to something in the corner of the room <laughs> and going, but you're yeah. going to have to pay attention to me now yeah. because this thing is on fire. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the fucking curtains are on fire, guys. And I, so yeah. I never, you know, in the same way that I was never part of Footlights, I was never part of the sort of theatre establishment at Cambridge. I yeah. never, I never sort of, I've, I rarely worked in the even the big college venues. It was always sort of little out of the way sort of mm. spaces uh, doing really small things for fairly small audiences but um, that was super exciting mm. and I realised that people talked about my work in a different way than they talked about the work that did occupy those mm. um, those more sort of mainstream spaces and I've just sort of carried on doing that not deliberately but just temperamentally that's who I am mm. I uh, I didn't have the confidence when I graduated to then sort of put myself out there so it took a really long time to get a foothold it was about I had to you know I moved to London and then I I I worked really quietly for quite a long time Mm. doing the same sort of thing and waiting for anyone to notice notice. and I've just sort of carried on doing that and I think what I feel now like in the last few years I've been really lucky that there's been a bit of momentum around Mm. me as an artist and around having a company structure I mean that 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 made a huge difference um but honestly like that sort of that sense I had of um, a trajectory of slowly moving up scale yeah uh I now feel like I've definitely sort of hit my head on that ceiling Mm. and I'm not I don't think that's going to be the thing that motivates me anymore I'm not sure I'm not sure where I am with my practice at all right now but um but I don't like the last big thing I made which was Jubilee I Mm -hmm. made this this show for uh, initially for the Royal Exchange and it came into the 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 lyric and that was the biggest cast I'd I'd worked with since Mm. I was an undergraduate and a big company big huge project for for someone like me who makes work really for people's kitchens you know um and it was really exciting to do it, but it was also incredibly bruising. I felt really sore afterwards, and although I was really proud of that show, I was not, I think, super proud of the process, because it wasn't my process, really. My process, my... my it's the, again, it's the, it's the attention thing, it's the paying attention thing. Mm. My process and my life as an artist is about trying to be really close to things. And at a certain level mm. of bigness, yeah. <laughs> that closeness, it doesn't yes. scale up. Yeah. And I didn't enjoy that. I enjoyed the gestures of that piece and I mm. loved having a bigger canvas. I loved 
I think there's a huge thing for me about simultaneity, about being able to make more than one thing happen on stage at the same time. Mm -hmm. And being able to do that has been fairly rare in my career. Mm -hmm. So there are things that I really love aesthetically and politically as well about working at that sort of scale. Mm -hmm. But it means that I'm not close and I'm not excited about that as a as a mode of work. It's not intimate. If enough. I could find a way, that's exactly it. If I could find a way of maybe there is a way of reconciling what I want with scale. I hope there might be, but I also maybe it's telly. It's. I think it's really not for me. I think it really could be for other people, but mm. I think it's really not for me. Okay. Because I I also struggle with it because I I really care about detail and the like the moment where you see something in change without knowing what it is and you can't do, you can't do that mm. At, mm. and the lyric is too mm. big mm. um so because because it's super interesting listening to you talk about you know yeah, yeah this sense of being kind of the outsider or the kid in the the kid in his bedroom doing mm. the thing mm. and then um, and kind of that's one of the things I loved about Wound Man, with mm, like this mm, kid in his bedroom mm. yeah, with a yeah, universe, yeah. Yes. essentially, that's, yes. that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and yet, like, I totally, I totally think of you, and I certainly, like, the f- like the first kind of few times we met, mm. um, <laughs> it was quite a long time ago now, yeah. like, I remember being, feeling like you were one of the grown-ups. Like, you, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. and, and so I'm, I'm sort of curious about what it is to hold both that kind of outsider status, which you do, like, you the work you make, and, you know, you totally, that is totally authentic and true, and also be making work for, like, for the exchange and the lyric and the court, which are not outsiders. They mm. are beyond inside. Mm. You know, they're, they're the, really the cool kids. What What is that? What's the tension between that? Well, let's start with the thing about, like, I I totally didn't feel like a grown-up until, <laughs> like, maybe three or four years ago. Yeah. And that almost exactly coincides with the point in my career where, for the first time, I was thinking, also, I don't really know what I'm doing. Mm. Um, so that was interesting. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was formulating for years about... I always felt like the... the, the um, I was at the kids' table at the wedding reception you know yeah yeah uh, with my knees up around my yeah. ears <laughs> I'm tinkering around with I... form <laughs> sorry guys it's like the kid that's puked on its shirt you know <laughs> that's exactly it yeah. yeah and I think you know I think people in key positions in the industry didn't take me seriously mm. or they had a very limited sense of what I do mm. and what I've done or a very caricatured sense of mm. what I do what I'm capable of doing um, I suspect that's true of most people. I just, you know, I mm. don't think nuanced versions of most artists exist in the minds yeah. of most programmes. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I... And then I think, you know what, there, there is some... Even after that, even when you start... Even when I started taking work into bigger... Spaces and like like you're saying like the the, the cool grown ups. Mm. There's a sense that there's a um, there's some policing that happens around that that um, uh, that I I think I find really uncongenial. Like one of the worst things about making Jubilee was getting notes because oh, I've hardly oh. ever in my life had to deal with <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, um, and the same with uh, you know I, I, sort of anything I've I've, I've it's so it's it's been peculiar being me because <laughs> um because i've spent so much time yelling at the establishment about how shit they are yeah yeah and then also going so give me a gig <laughs> and yes. it's only relatively recently that yeah. i've realized what an unappealing combination that yeah. is for for them and that it takes a certain kind of bravery to yeah you know, to give the person a gig who is saying you're all a bunch of wankers and, you know... Yeah, I have exactly... On a different scale, I have exactly that experience. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I write shitty articles for The Guardian being like, you're all cunts. Yeah. Please. Please <laughs> hire me to direct your Absolutely. next yeah, summer yeah, smash yeah, 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 yeah. So I think there is a... There is um There is absolutely a tension about that. And I think... 
What I've realised, I'm not sure if this is a good answer to your question from some minutes ago, but what I've realised is how annoying I am. I didn't know that I was an annoying person until fairly recently, but I think okay. I am. I think I... Because uh, I think I do that. I think I'm really friendly with people and then I really piss them off because I'm pursuing some thing, some right. vision Ideal. of a thing yeah. that they that just makes their life so much harder. Uh, or, and everyone wants an easy life. Well, I think... Do you know what? I, to be really candid, one of the things that got me thinking about this was how little return, like repeat business I get. <laughs> yeah. That so I work yeah, a yeah. lot of places once. Yeah. Okay. Right? Now, there have been some exceptions to that. Mm. There have been some relationships that have been important. Yeah, I happens, definitely, you definitely worked twice with us. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> I remember it. There was a cat yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But so I, I mean, that's interesting in itself. But, yeah. Because um, I remember when I came to you. Uh, when you were fairly new at Oval House, one of the things that I said to you was, I don't have a home. Mm. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. And yeah. Oval House actually is as close as I've had to a home. Oh, uh, that's good. Which is really nice, and that continues with Owen, and that's really, yeah. that's super nice. But um, uh, but that feeling of, I don't know who my guys are, I don't, uh, I mean, I, I sort of do in the, you know, you come up with people and you... you those of us who persist yeah you kind of you have a sense that eventually there's there are 10 of you that are still there so you yeah. must be a group but then also yeah. i you know i I've, I've had a fairly bumpy couple of years from that point of view and i feel like lots of those relationships are not the relationships they once were mm. and i sort of again i don't and also i i'm not doing a great job of reintroducing myself to the younger generation where all of the energy currently is uh, and I see people doing a much better job of that than I am. Yeah, and it's not me. Yeah, it takes mm. it takes a kind of again that thing that I I was saying I've not really had of the the being willing to be self presenting. Mm. You know, going oh you should know about me because I you know I just, that's that's not me. Yeah, I do struggle with that, but it's really clear that actually the proportionally the number of people working in the sector who know who I am and what I'm doing is shrinking again. Yeah. It went up for a while and now yeah. it's coming down again. And I'm... So I have to have a... Think about that. Yeah. I have to have an attitude about that. And it's hard because I'm a bit... I'm young, a bit younger than you, but I'm finding that right now as well. Mm. And it is hard. Mm. Like from this time where people used to be like, oh, you do that cool thing. Yeah. And, and knowing my... F- face because i was on twitter or something right right yeah and now it's being like oh i like i sometimes do this yeah and it's really it's tricksy because yeah. you never because if you spend all of the conversation explaining we all right to have a place in the conversation yeah you never get to actually have the conversation wherever yeah. that is and i think a, a newer thing newish thing mm. is that the people you're talking to in that moment are also going to be much bolder about asking who you are mm. and why you have the right to say the things that you're saying yeah and that's that's super interesting as well i don't object to that at all yeah but it is exhausting <laughs> uh, because i've of, earned it well because we, we all have we kind of i mean all of this conversation in a way has been about like pushing the fucking boulder up the hill and you kind of think you're going to get to a point where maybe you get to just stand there for a moment before yeah. the boulder rolls down again and yeah can I give another Rach from Briscoe special please do yes hey Rach um, this is a twofer the, this is really nice yeah it's brilliant <laughs> it's the um, the the, it, the, the tr- it's something it's something about if you're Prometheus what you have to do do I mean Prometheus Sisyphus yes Christ um, what you have to do is learn to enjoy the walk down Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, yes. Like, <laughs> off we go again. Yes. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But at least there's a view. Mm. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I, I think I've really unexpectedly made a fucking awful job of, of crashing into midlife and mid-career in a way that, like, nothing that came before that suggested that I would do it so badly. Mm. So I'm so, I'm so interested in whether this moment is survivable, uh, whether it's sustainable, how much I want to invest in, like, until very... Uh, like, this time last year, yeah. if you'd said to me, your future might not be in theatre, 
Yeah. I could not possibly have believed that. Yeah. For a moment. Yeah. Like, all of my eggs were in that basket. Yeah. And they still are. But I'm beginning to notice that there is there are also empty baskets yes. <laughs> available. See, this is super interesting talking to you because I, I am I'm also experiencing exactly that. Yeah. Like this, it has always been such a big part of who I am. Like not just yeah. a vocation, but an, but like mm. a need. Yeah. Um, and now I'm like, well, I'd make a really good like craft potter. Mm. Maybe I'll do that. Mm. And that just the presence of that question. Mm. And the presence of that, because I, f- I find the, I, f- I find that the work of being part of this ecology mm-hmm. has gone up exponentially. Yes. And there are some things that are good. There is something like it's mm-hmm. right that people have to justify their their voice of authority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But it also, in in an industry that isn't sustainable, mm. it makes it even less sustainable for the people who who don't for the people who are also carrying a weight of making a living mm. or mm. of dealing with anything any mm. kind of mental illness or any kind just mm. anything yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. more than existing in this yes. space yeah 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 and so I'm like maybe I should go somewhere where all I have to do is <laughs> exist in the space mm. yeah it kind of I don't I don't know whether it's about just a sort of a cumulative feeling of being battered by the, yeah. you know, being beaten up by having done this for 25 years and yeah. just, you know, but also I think there are, there are shifts happening both in the wider culture and, and in our bit of the sector mm. as, uh, as well in a really concentrated way. And lots of those changes are super important and, um, and super overdue. Um, but I'm not sure where I, I'm not sure what my place is in relation mm. to, uh, those things and I think I don't know I used to look at theatre like it was sort of a shelter right that that would yeah. be a place where I would go and I would feel okay and yeah. I, you know, and it hasn't been that for a few years yeah uh, at all it's not a place of safety it's not a place of safety I think yeah. I, I think I don't want it to be a place of safety I think I, okay. I think I I think I feel stifled by that and partly I've got myself into trouble by not valuing safety very much right but there is a breathable air in mm-hmm. being able to take certain kinds of risks together or right. uh, okay. you know that that sort yeah. of thing that's a pedantic thing but no 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 it's to, important to yeah yeah because um, actually but, i hate yeah go on. yeah 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 um uh but yeah i uh, what uh, the feeling i have right now and i think it's um so my company has been in quite a a tricky place lately and maybe we can talk about that yeah but um but also i had a i had a really bruising experience and it's an experience that um that everybody has and i've had it before in other Mm. contexts of being commissioned to write a play that then didn't yeah make it um but the way that that the way that experience panned out across a couple of years was mm. so demoralising. Mm. There was such dishonesty in it. And I think where I come to is more than ever, I think this has always been an interesting problem for me that just got mm. less interesting, Yeah, is a feeling of the theatre industry is at war with theatre. Yes. The theatre industry yes. is at war with what I mean by theatre. By theatre, because industry and theatre, yeah, aren't yeah, aren't actually things. I think there are ways of doing it, but it would take a massive amount of reorganisation. <laughs> and I think I always wanted to stand for that possibility, which yeah. is why I was interested in doing work in people's homes or like mm. you know different kinds of spaces or different kinds of organisation. But actually, the industry is also bashing back mm. in relation to a lot of that stuff because we're being more careful about how professionalized we are yeah um about there being protocols around can i be pedantic yeah yeah, because there's a thing there's a thing about that professionalized yeah and it's the same thing like it sits next to like ideas around mitigating risk yes and the thing that i care about the thing that adds to the sum of human knowledge the thing that makes me leave this theatre space this place this performance experience thinking and seeing differently 
is something that hasn't existed long enough to be professionalised. Yes. And so I think, whereas I absolutely think there's a duty of, like we have a duty of care to yes. each other, let's just yes. not be dicks. Yes, yes, yes. Um, there also has to be a, d- a degree of going, well, actually, for this to exist, there has to be, it's built on wild card. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a wild card house. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. that's how it functions. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so I just want, yeah, sorry, I just wanted to re- be a bit pedantic about that sense of professionalisation mm. because no, I, I I totally agree, and I think uh, how am I going to say this? Like all through my career, I've come to theatre with certain questions mm. about like, can we live differently? Can we be? Can we be with each other in a different way? Can we change mm. what the fundamental properties of our relationships are? That's yeah. why I go to work with these questions. Yeah. And I feel like there's an answer now, and the answer is no. And that answer comes from the industry that I'm trying to work oh, in. Oh, fuck, that hurts, though. Yeah. Oh. But that's how that... So, really specifically... The reason I feel like this is because uh, last year, as a result of um, some dispute around a, a, a project uh, mm-hmm. that I had run for some time, um, a, a, a really avowedly sort of difficult, challenging yeah. project, but one that seemed to me to be flourishing also and mm-hmm. not unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, in the aftermath of that project finishing, um, some people had some important things to say about mm-hmm. it not having been uh, their experience that it was it was okay um, and as part of dealing with that um, we had to sort of suspend my company for a mm-hmm. while while uh, uh, we so we appointed someone to to lead a, an independent investigation into mm-hmm. the um, essentially into my practice as a, yeah. as a director um and there was a report at the end of that process, and it's a report that has a lot of very useful things to say mm. about how to not get into trouble again. Yeah. Um, it says a bunch of useful things. That, and I shouldn't say it like that, because it also basically is saying, here's how not to hurt people again. Mm. And I have to take that... I do take that really seriously. Mm. And I understand now in a way that I didn't understand even six months ago that I genuinely did hurt people really inadvertently by misunderstanding a bunch of things about about power, about difficulty, um, about queerness. Like, there were a bunch of things that I didn't know Mm. because I didn't know those things, because I didn't have a clear picture of those Mm -hmm. things. Um, I had bad information out of which I made bad choices. Yeah. All in, in a, the most sort of attentive and thoughtful <laughs> caring. Well-meaning way. <laughs> way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm, uh, I was genuinely grateful for this report that says, you know, and it did, it did come from a place of going, this is not about stopping you working. This is about mm. going, if you're going to carry on working, this is, this is the yeah, context. And this, this is what we need to put around better. everything. Mm. At the same time, the values of that report were not neutral. They were presented, obviously, as if they were like, well, we're just doing professional care and responsibility Mm. and whatever. But every one of those findings and recommendations has an ideological basis that is Mm -hmm. absolutely not acknowledged. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that that report sort of prohibits, in a sense, Mm. is that when I go to work... I might have questions that could involve different kinds of social organisation mm. or different kinds of thinking about power, mm. because in order to do those, in order to do the work safely, yeah. there has to be incredible clarity mm. and fixity mm-hmm. around those questions about power and those questions about authority mm-hmm. and um, and who is heard and how. And, you know, um, it's super like. I always, it never occurred to me that it was an expression of my privilege to be going into a room as a person of the anarchist left and trying to think through those principles yes. in a room and go, well, in that case, are there things that we can do? 
to make the power situation here or the group situation, whatever it is, mm. more um, dispersed? Can I lean on your autonomy more? Can we take responsibility for ourselves in a different mm-hmm. way? Um, can there be play around these ideas? Um, I think I didn't know that for people who have been consistently disempowered, Mm -hmm. disenfranchised or not given authority, Mm. those sorts of confusions are actually not helpful. Yeah, they're difficult. (laughs) They're really hard. Yeah. Um, I think I thought they were a gift. I think I thought, hey, it doesn't have to be this way, so we'll throw it all up in the air. But actually quite a lot of the people that I've been working with lately are going, no, I want to understand what my relationship is with you. And ideally, I'd like that to be written down somewhere so that I can know what it is. Yeah. And I I absolutely get that now in a way that I wouldn't have done six months ago. But I also don't know what to do with it mm. as, a, as a director because a fundamental part of my practice... Mm. the fundamental part of my practice is going into the room with those questions partly I think it's just about um, trying to refine an understanding of power that allows it to be given away even more Mm. but at the same time there's clearly a need or an appetite for a kind of clarity and a kind of rigidity Mm. that um, also just doesn't fucking appeal to me Mm -hmm. because it's like when it it was so important for me really early on doing my three years at, at Can of People's Theatre. Yeah. Going into that, I was not particularly a sort of devisey sort of... I mean, I, I was, but it, I, CPT in those days was tribal. It was mm. like, we do devising. We don't do new writing. We don't do scripts. We do devising. Yeah. And one of the reasons that we do that is because we think the way that we make work should reflect our political commitments. Yeah. And no one had really properly expressed to me... I'd had that experience at school of going, mm-hmm. oh, actually, we can all be socialists together. Yes. <laughs> as sixth form, we can be yes. very cool socialist kids. Yeah. Um, but no one had gone... So that. So then it, it that changes what it means to be a director. Mm. It changes what it means to say you are an actor. It mm. changes what a script is or isn't. Yes. Or what it should and shouldn't. And every it be. changes every relationship and every absolutely yeah. yeah yeah yeah. And I didn't know that. And those questions have have become the core of how I think of myself as an artist. Mm. And I'm not sure that they have. A viability any longer in the space that I'm familiar with so there is a task now for me about either figuring out what that new space looks like mm. or getting the fuck out and letting other people like push the boulder up the hill for a while yeah uh, I have some unfocused thoughts about that that might become focused as I loudly think them <laughs> which is um because I shout a lot, I'm going to just take a degree of abstraction when I'm talking mm. about your specific situation, mm. but I shout a lot about, I mean, capitalism. Yes. Capitalism and authoritarian hierarchies. Mm. Mm. Um, join the club. Um, <laughs> and one of the things that perpetually frustrates me is the inability, if, you, if everything about you has grown within a system, mm. the inability to imagine any, anything outside that structure... Mm. Um, I find incredibly, incredibly frustrating, mm. and I think the same the, the same applies to these ideas of of who has power, mm. because if you have learned just about to survive in this structure, mm. you really don't want anyone to fuck with the structure, mm. Mm. and in the short term, that's super, super useful because yeah. it means that you are protected. Mm. But in the long term, it means we're all fucking stuck in this structure. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I don't want, like. I mean, I'm going to be dead before anything changes. <laughs> but I would hope it isn't always going to be like this. Like it, you know, just the, the, the broader, like you know, the, the the broader social assumptions around value and hierarchy mm. and mm. power. Mm. Um, 
like it, it's super difficult isn't it to to be able to question and seek innovation or change mm. while also being obligated not to challenge mm. Mm. yeah I mean yeah. I've just repeated what you said really. no 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 no, I, no you're absolutely you're absolutely right and we're in this it's so interesting I I feel like a prophet who got everything wrong you know because I felt like and this is what the book is about and this is why I'm mildly embarrassed about the book now because it felt like it was predicting a shift Mm. that we've actually stepped away from yeah um, because doesn't mean it is our focus right Mm. now not improperly is on who has power Mm. it's not so much on what that power looks like or how it works Mm. when people attain it yeah so you know here we are we're talking the week after everything uh, kicked off with tree yeah for example yeah which is a really interesting uh it's an incredibly interesting case sort of example of of exactly this and a lot of people feeling very hurt because they're looking at figures in that situation and going we thought you represented change and, it, and, and actually, the thing is, because you have the choice, we have the choice to agitate either for a change of who gets to wield the power in the fucked up oppressive mm. power structure, mm. or we get to change the fucked up oppressive power structure. Mm. And I think we, th- we often confuse the two. Mm. And I think, we're, yeah, I agree with you, we're totally in an era where what we're doing is we're changing the aesthetics mm of the fucked up oppressive power but it's still there hmm. and I yeah I totally like I feel, I, th- I think that um, I've been feeling quite disenchanted with everything and <laughs> just fuck it all and well, with I'm everything glad I came <laughs> Sorry, I did offer you a biscuit um, <laughs> yeah no I'm feeling quite disenchanted with kind of everything and struggling to find uh hope in the long like in looking at like what the world might be or what mm. the arts mm. ecology might be because mm. they smush up for mm. me and yes, I think yes, about yes, it. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's because this thing that I have been a foot soldier in mm. this fighting for change and mm. this agitation for it not always being like you know the floppy haired Oxbridge mm. um, posh boys or whatever or it not always yeah. looking people not always making the same value assumptions or cultural assumptions like I you know I fought for that and now I get here and, and, and those changes are sort of happening but they're happening in the least meaningful way mm-hmm. um, and now I'm like well that was 20 years of my life mm. yeah. and the next 20 years do, like, can I bear to keep doing this? Hmm. Yeah. No, that... I... So I've had to pull my um, my Edinburgh show because mm. of everything that's going on with the company. Um, but I was making a show that was actually sort of looking back over the last 25 years and thinking about changes, particularly in queer culture in that mm. time um, and what it meant to me uh, you know, as a in my in my early twenties, sort of coming out into a cultural situation, mm-hmm. um, and where that where that's gone, where the traces of that now are, and mm-hmm. how you know, I think queerness means something very different now. In or it means lots of different things, but hardly even one of them is what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Do you want to tell and, us what? And you it mean? was uh, maybe, maybe I'm going to fi- I'm going to finish this yeah. first, which is. Um, uh, in writing that, in writing this script about about reflecting on all of those things, I found myself saying, in a way that I didn't intend to, and I didn't know I was going to, saying quite boldly, "I think lately I've lost hope," mm. and I hadn't heard myself say that mm. in quite that way. And there's a bit of me that's super interested in what theatre is if it's not a place or a crucible of hope I've been been talking a lot about um, lamentation (laughs) with people I've been going 
Yeah. Is this where we come to grieve? Is Maybe this where this we is come the place to place for Greek chorus? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Like that. There's something I can I can get that I can mm. get with that mm. um, because I don't see in the way that I used to the idea that people coming together is in itself a hopeful thing because I think we see people come together in incredibly hopeless and futile yeah. ways all the time and I think there's a weird liberal delusion around the idea that theatre is intrinsically a hopeful gathering yeah um, it takes a kind of showing up. Um, but only in relation to the kind of work that you and I are interested in, and that's not what mm. most theatre mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And theatre is at war with that. Yeah, the industry is at war with that space. So it becomes incredibly fragile and dissident. And um, maybe that in itself is hopeful. But I kind of feel like um, I got really interested. In, I've always hated the formulation of theatre as a sacred space. Mm. But something about it was sort of on my mind mm. a bit a while ago, just going, what does that actually mean? What are we mm. actually talking about? And I did a little bit of an etymological dig, which is what yeah. I do when a concept has suddenly <laughs> become interesting to <laughs> what me. What does it actually mean? And yeah. in that list of kind of root meanings of mm. sacred is the idea of being cursed. And I'm feeling quite energised by the idea of theatre as a cursed space. Mm. You know, what does it mean if we gather there in the knowledge that our gathering is futile? Uh, it's it's hard to... I don't know, it's hard to, to like, twirl a bat on in relation to that idea. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say hooray at the yeah. end of that sentence. Where's the glitter cannon? But is there, a, is there something about uh, our need to come together and acknowledge lamentation and loss mm. and the things that we have broken and destroyed or is that just me at the age of 46 going ow you know yeah yeah because also when i see the companies that i really like coming through where Mm. everybody's in their early 20s mid 20s or whatever hopeful prime the hope in that work is massive and beautiful and maybe also then it's just time for old cunts like me to get out of the way yeah I don't know I don't know I don't it's, know it's I don't know what to do no what should we do dude I don't know if I knew I'd have done it <laughs> I know and, right and you know I'm, I'm almost exactly 10 years younger than you and I'm in a really similar place and I think there's something about like I felt like I spent a lot of time it's so hard isn't it I spent a lot of time as a younger person being like would all the old cunts just fuck off mm. Mm. like who is it? Was it Pete? Is uh, it Peter Hall? Ran the arts theatre when he was twenty three. Mm-hmm. Like you can't. I've said this a million times in this podcast. You can't imagine a twenty three year old being asked to do anything of that standing these no. days. No. Um, and as a younger person, I was like, "Fuck! Can yeah, you all yeah, go yeah, away?" Yeah, 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 and yeah. now I'm. St- I still haven't. The the world hasn't been what I ha- what I mm. thought it would be. Mm. Yeah, and I'm. I haven't. I'm not an elder. Mm. I haven't been afforded any of the comforts yes, of being yes, an yes, elder, yes, yes. and yet I have the exhaustion yes. of being an elder. And yeah. what is that? And and is there is there a value in being the person there going? Actually, all of this change that we fought for was the wrong fucking change. Start again. Mm. Stop being mm. dicks. Mm. Let's talk about complexity instead mm. of yes, 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 absolutism yeah. and authoritarianism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, you said an interesting thing just there about, well, a while back, about this liberal delusion. And I, because I find myself perpetually caught these days between my instinct to fight for the left Mm -hmm. and my instinct to fight authoritarianism. Mm -hmm. Um, because we, for so long, we talked about that as one horizontal yes, axis, yes. and it's actually across, yes, right? Yes, yes. And I'm having to leave behind. I think, in order to continue to function in the world, I'm having to leave behind some of the left shit mm. because I need people to continue to be allowed to be themselves. Mm. Um, and I've forgotten where I'm going. And oh yeah, and, and and that like I you know even with some of my very closest you know people that I love dearly, artists that have been friends for years, 
that's that has become my choice of liberalism as the priority mm. has become a point of contention mm-hmm. and it means that there isn't like there, there is one artist that i've worked with really closely and we cannot talk about it mm. without yeah, arguing yeah, yeah. there isn't a space for a discussion and i feel mm. like it's a microcosm of where i mean the world is but certainly where the theater ecology is mm. in terms yes. of we can't we don't know how to talk about differing values. Like yeah. it's, we're back to the tragedy of the commons, and for fuck's sake, mm, there are mm, lots mm, of very mm. interesting philosophical writings about that. Mm, mm. Um, and, be- and because of that, because of because I feel like the discourse has mm. become an orthodoxy, mm. it's very difficult to find place to say, "Well, hang on, could it be different and mm. better this way?" Mm because we're so busy fighting for the one we've all chosen. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all. I'm just lamenting. I'm lamenting. Let's Great. lament. Hooray. Maybe it's all just going to be about podcasts now. Podcast <laughs> lamentation. Yeah, I had, I had a lamentation <laughs> yesterday because uh, weirdly, like someone emailed me to be part of this podcast and I've been trying to get them to email me to give me a job for about a decade. Right, right, right. And I was like, oh, okay. So this thing that I do that is just a rumination mm. and is unpaid mm. Mm. that's the thing you value the thing yeah, that's yeah, actually yeah. I'm highly trained and skilled at yes this is just me recording me talking shit yeah that's what you want oh fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I definitely had a lamentation about the podcast um okay so I've we've been talking for about an hour so I should probably uh, stop <laughs> talking but um the last question I always ask is when you go from this place, this uh, either theatre <laughs> mm. or mm. this uh, this astral plane, mm. what do you want to have left behind? What do you want people to say about you or what do you want to be changed? I think what I want is that thing I described earlier of, like, when I think about the people who... Well, so I'm just going to pause and name the fact that this is premised on the idea that I want to change people's lives. Right. Let's just assume that as standard. <laughs> um, yes. I think I still want that even, you know, and for the better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, even even post bruising. Even post bruising, like I still, yeah. I still, I think that's, I think that's a reflex. I think that's a mm-hmm. that that's something that happens sort of precognitively, mm-hmm. uh, but at least by this point. Um, but I think I increasingly trust that idea that I sort of invoked earlier about I just I would like to be the chat book on the shelf mm-hmm. you know the little pamphlet that doesn't even have a spine mm-hmm. that you pick it off and you look at it and it's all like fucked up and like blotchy mm-hmm. and like but you open it and you read a paragraph and you go fuck yeah because so many important artists did that for me mm. and none of them are household names none of them are at the royal court none of them yeah. have any real kudos except for the the 20 people who then pass that little booklet around mm. and go fuck um uh, i don't know it's Possibly it's a, it's a, I think it's, it's a hard question to answer without being, sounding a bit, like it makes everything pious. Oh yeah, But, yeah. Um, but if I could choose, mm. then I think I'd much rather be that than, than anything else. Yeah. I'd rather be, it's the, it, it's the, it's the, it's the legacy equivalent of performing in people's kitchens, which mm. I did for so long and going, that only played to uh, 10 people tonight, but eight of them will always remember it. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about the the tiny heroism of unremarkable lives, <laughs> right? Just the just cat, like you know, just the the, sh- the sheer glory mm. of carrying on. Mm. And I think there's something about like what you've just said about something that it's about it is about being ephemeral, but or or, or being just unephemeral enough unephemeral enough mm. to be really meaningful mm. for a few people mm. is probably better than being lasting and unmeaningful for a thousand mm. well I don't know mm. no I think that's right I think that's 
can I tell you something really sort of yeah um what's the word I don't think it's arrogant but it's a little bit dude swing your dick around let's go I I will feel when I leave here yeah when I do go from this place i.e. your kitchen yeah. This will be the thing I feel squeamish about. But right. it's still quite new in my head because it only happened uh, two days ago. Yeah. So I've been rereading a book that was exactly that sort of incendiary book. Mm-hmm. And I discovered it when I was an undergraduate and hadn't read it for a long time. It's a, it's a book called Bomb Culture mm-hmm. by a guy called Jeff Nuttall, mm-hmm. who was one of the early founders of The People Show. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it's a book from 68, I think. Um, so it's in this weird moment of CND plus traditional jazz, yes. right? And that's yeah. where, that's, <laughs> that's the shit that's going to save the world at that yeah. point. Um, and Nuttall is a poet and a, a performance artist. And um, I met him once towards the end of his life, just this kind of life, life force, right? Yeah. Um, most of what he has to say in 1968 is completely unacceptable now. <laughs> but there's an energy about it yeah. and, a, and the language that he uses is so exciting. And um, and so I did a little Google on Jeff Noll because I haven't thought about him for a really long time. Mm. And I thought, I bet there's some interesting things sort of out there. And like 15 or 18 Google pages down where I'm sort of starting to flag. Yeah. There's this one book that uh, that comes up on Google Books, you know, when you can see the, the text of, yeah. of books. Um, there is an index to a book about poetry. Mm-hmm where the entry for Bob Cobbing, who's another great hero of mm. mine, says, uh, just underneath it, see also Chris Good, Jeff Nuttall. So you get to be one of them. So I, just being in that lineage, yeah. even on one page of one book that yeah. 20 people are going to read, like, that tells me that I showed up yeah. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. That's pleasing. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to say? Because we, because I always feel like whenever we talk, we talk in quite like abstract. We mm, often talk in mm, abstract mm, terms. Mm. Something you, that you feel like you haven't said, or you want to clarify, or you. No, I mean, I think I think a lot. I think I will probably go through a wave of feeling uncomfortable about <laughs> some of the things we said, not because it was candid, but because I don't like the idea. I think it. I think it would be really possible to hear this conversation and hear entitlement in it. Mm. Um, and I think there probably is. I think it's a slightly different entitlement. I don't think it's the entitlement of floppy hair in Oxbridge. I think it's okay. the. I think it's the entitlement of God. We worked hard, and what mm. was that all about? Um, can we please have a rest? <laughs> <laughs> but also, you know, is there a space in which we can carry on? Yeah, making the work that has. Yeah, made our yeah. hearts beat for the last however long um, so I hope it I hope it doesn't sound entitled in that sense I, I am in some I'm in some ways an old fart and in some ways I'm not but maybe all old farts say in some ways they're not you know that um, <laughs> you know that Simpsons meme old man yells at cloud yeah yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> maybe yeah. maybe you're that maybe instead of you're yelling at the I kind of feel like if I get the next 20 years right I'll be the cloud <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> okay good good uh, thank you very much Chris Good thanks for having Hi, it's Rebecca again. Thanks for listening. Uh, Just a quick reminder that if you like the episode and you like what we do, please do pop over to patreon.com slash the legacy tapes and consider making a donation to help us keep doing it and doing it better. Thanks a lot. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.